0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, we're going to continue our journey just kind of exploring American Evangelical Christianity and tying it together with the Christian cult that I was a part of, this time asking the question, how? How? My research for this series has led me down multiple rabbit holes. It's just really interesting as I just kind of keep uncovering more and more junk within American evangelical Christianity. It's weird. I feel like there's this idea within evangelicalism that we're the ones that are biblical. We're the ones that are actually following Scripture. We're the ones that are you know truly have the truth kind of a thing. But guys, there is so many bad influences within evangelical Christianity. So many just like unbiblical people that have been a part of this and things that they've done through the years that have where we are right now, that it just kind of makes sense that we've got this just really awful fruit coming out of American evangelical Christianity right now. So we're going to explore some of that today as we ask the question, how? Basically, how did we get here? After last episode, I had a friend of mine, an internet friend who lives in Japan currently, but him and his wife have also lived in Europe and here in America, briefly Reach out to me. And he said, you need to add a word as you're talking about evangelical Christianity. He said, you need to add the word American evangelical Christianity, because what I see in other parts of the world is not the same thing that's happening there in America. And so I was like, Please, tell me more. Explain this to me. And he just kind of went on to say that the culture here is just vastly different. Like, you can have evangelicals in England and through Europe and even in Japan, and the idea of being an evangelical is somebody who believes in evangelism, somebody who um, is very much into the gospel and sharing that with people. He said most evangelicals that he's encountered are usually kind of Pentecostal or Charismatic. But it's not the same like widespread culture that we have here in America. And he said it's really not the same kind of homeschooling, family-loving, conservative political push that we have here. He said that's completely different and very uniquely American. And I was like, wow, this is very interesting. So as I talk about evangelical Christianity from now on, I'm gonna throw that word American in there. This is we're talking about American evangelical Christianity, like what happened here. In my country. Digging through some of this stuff, guys, um, I'm just starting to put some pieces together that I would love to continue to look through. I would love to try to find some more information about this stuff. It's really scary and interesting at the same time, like just kind of weirdly bizarre. When I was in my cult, we were very into family, the family unit, specifically authority of the father. There was this weird umbrella picture that was around like the umbrella of authority so it's like god has the authority that was covering you with his umbrella and then the father has authority and under him the mother has a a limited authority and then under her are the children and if you step out of your authority like basically if you rebel or if you don't follow everything they want you to do exactly then you're no longer under the umbrella of protection and and satan can get you which is not biblical as we're going to discover a lot of things that we're talking about today that are not actually biblical. And that's definitely not biblical, but we were really into family. We were really into influencing our society. We had this kind of weird, like, we're going to take over the world kind of mentality. And so, like, people, I remember in my crazy church, were trying to run for different offices in their cities and in their states, trying to become state representatives at one point in time, Just, just different things as they tried to get into the influence, the political realm. So it was like family, political. We were trying to change churches to make churches be more like us. We were trying to change society in general, really just push to get involved in all these different things so that we could make them good. And it was almost like we had this idea of if we could get the whole world to believe like us, then it would be good and perfect and wonderful. Interestingly enough, as I've been researching for this episode, I've discovered an actual teaching that's very similar to that. And I'm thinking that it was probably something that influenced Bill Gothard's thoughts. So even though he never actually specifically said these things, it was still coming across in the teachings. And even in the teachings in my homeschool movement that weren't even necessarily connected with Gothard, there was still this teaching. And I see it impacting our evangelical Christianity here in America, like in huge ways. So what am I talking about? We'll get into that in a little bit. And so as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about some books that I've read lately. And one of them is Jesus and John Wayne. And I've talked about this a little bit um by Kristen Kobes dumay It's interesting. I feel like her history was spot on. You really couldn't argue with any of the history of what happened with evangelical Christianity here in America. I did feel like she had a bit of a bias that she was trying to like, you know, pull everything towards this one point that felt a little off, like I wasn't getting the full story of what actually happened because she was just trying to make this one point. So, I mean, it felt a little bit a little bit off to me and yet the history happened. Like this is really stuff that happened. And just the way it was tied in political stuff and whatever. Reading The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr kind of gave me like an extra side of what I was looking for. Like, oh, okay, that was going on, but it's not this like huge trying to tie this whole push into a specific point. It's interesting to watch what happens in Christianity in the United States. One of the things that I've came across multiple places is this whole idea of just getting Christianity mixed in with politics. Did you know that In God We Trust was not added until the 1950s? President Eisenhower put that in the money in 1956, two years after he added Under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. I find that just like, ah, eye-opening, fascinating. Like, wait a minute, that that was just added in the 1950s? That's not that long ago. Like, how did that just get added in? And it was kind of like a push by Christians, and he was reaching out to make the Christians happy, and this pulls us right back into this idea of Christian nationalism that I've talked about before. And I think this is part of what's going on within evangelical Christianity here in America. I think that we have this huge, well, we have so many, we have multiple lies that we're believing, but one of the main ones that we believe is this idea that America is God's special nation, and that God, it's basically taken over God's Israel, per se. And we're trying to restore America to her former Christian heritage. And the problem with that thought, and there's many problems, but the main problem with that thought is that God's nation is still Israel. America is not even mentioned in scripture. And it's not like we're this Christian nation that ever started in the first place. We were, yes, founded on Judeo-Christian principles. There were people who believed in God or a God. But they weren't like evangelical Christians. They were deists and theists and um, all kinds of different things. And the theology that they held, we probably wouldn't even agree with. Yes, some of them maybe were more nominally Christian than we see today in politica, political stuff. But it's not like it was this Christian nation. Yet we have created this idea that this is who America was. And this goes right back into my cult days. Because we were obsessed. I mean, Obsessed. With like the eighteen hundreds and just the old fashioned times, and I mean, as a girl, I had like costumes from every period that I loved to wear at tea parties. And I'm talking, girl, hold that word loosely. I'm talking like late teens, early twenties. So, yeah, I have pictures to prove it. And so we were just really into this, like, we had we had this whitewashed, like, weird rose colored view of the olden days when everything was perfect and wonderful people actually believed in god and they were moral and women were women and men were men and just this kind of weird view of it and we didn't ever talk about like things like slavery or incest or the fact that they shipped children on trains out west to be like taken advantage of by random people i mean there was just there's so many horrible things that happened in that time period, there was, you know, people who were just having mistresses, and they were rich, and they didn't care, and there was these illegitimate children, and there was, like, poverty, and, I mean, just disease. People died so early, and just the stuff that was happening, like, maybe it was, like, whitewashed a little bit and looked a little better than it does now, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like we had our own version of history that we use, and that's the same kind of a problem here with this whole Christian nationalism idea. It's this version of history that you're creating that wasn't really accurate or real. And so I think this is a huge part of what's going on because we're trying to get back to this this root of a Christian heritage that was never there because we think that God's got a special favor on this nation that's not true either. So, 1950s, we add this Christian stuff to our United States money, our pledge trying to appease Christians or you know make them want to vote for him or whatever it was and this is about the same time when Christian colleges became really big people were pulling away from the world Christians were kind of pulling back and turning into their own culture their own colleges their own schools and stuff like that in the 19 through the 1950s to the 1970s um, Christian media really became popular as radio stations and TV stations and other things like that. And this article I was reading, they talked about how Christians have always used media in America to spread the gospel, pamphlets, books, whatever, to spread the gospel. But this was different because this is them getting involved in politics and deciding this is the right way to do things. This is the biblical way to do things. And we're going to give our spin on everything and like, just really got involved in that using media. In the 1990s, the 20s to the 2000s, we had Christian media just exploding with books With fiction books like Left Behind series. We had just movies coming out. We had this whole Christian media industry that is created and it's just huge. And if you look at this Christian industry, I call it that, this Christianese culture that we have right now, we've got books, we've got movies, we've got music, we've got merchandise, we've got all this like whole Christianese bubble world that exists. And I think this is a huge problem. I think it's a huge part of what's going on. Because you can completely immerse yourself in all things quote unquote Christian and never actually have to deal with the real world. You can listen to Christian radio and watch Christian movies and read Christian books and listen to Christian music and go to a Christian school and go to church and surround yourself with Christians and never actually come in contact with anybody else out in the real world. And that's a problem because Jesus talking to his disciples said that we're supposed to be salt and light. If you look at Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And yet I know so many Christians who want to hide, want to protect their family from this dangerous, scary world, and they're just trying to create this like utopia here on earth. And they're not being salt. They're not being light. They are just hiding. And they're scared and they're afraid of the world. They're trying to protect their families from the, just the dangers. It doesn't bring good fruit i was there we did this already once and we we hid and we isolated and we tried to protect ourselves and nothing good happened there was no good fruit you want to know something crazy there's a saying be in the world but not of it and maybe like me you think that's actually a bible verse so i went to look it up this morning because i wanted to share that with you guys and i realized it doesn't exist There is no Bible verse that says, be in the world, but not of it. And here we go again. We throw this stuff out there. We speak these things that we call truth, but they're not even in scripture. We think I'm going to be in the world and not of it. I'm going to hide myself. I'm going to cloister myself away. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect people that I love. We're going to make this thing. And, And it's not. It's not even in the Bible. Guys, Jesus talked about this concept multiple times but he never said anything about like hide yourself away one of the places he talks about this is in john 17 in john 17 14 through 19 he says he's praying he's praying to his father he says i've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as i am not of the world i do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one they are not of the world just as i am not of the world So yes, we're supposed to be not of the world, but it doesn't mean like I'm in the world, but I'm hiding from the world. It's this idea of, I read this in an article today. It says, it's not this idea of being in, but not of so much as it is not being of the world, yet being sent into the world. Like Jesus wasn't of this world. yet He chose to come here and be with us. He was sent into the world and he fulfilled the purposes that God had for him. And so as believers, yes, we're not of this world because we have a different kingdom that we're a part of. And that should be amazing. We shouldn't be trying to make these kingdoms here on earth, trying to make this nation happen the way we want it to happen. We should be rising above that and realizing that my citizenship is in heaven. This world doesn't really matter. And yet I'm sent into this world. I'm here to be a light, to be salt, to draw people to the God that I have discovered and love and just am in awe of his grace and his forgiveness and the way that he's transformed and restored my life. And I want to be ambassadors of that good news for others. And we have lost that, guys. We have lost that within American evangelical Christianity. We are so focused on politics, on protecting ourselves, on whether our people agree with our beliefs or not on whether this version or that version of Christianity is wrong. We're obsessed with morals, with stopping abortion, and with being anti-gay. And it's just so messy. And you're like, this is what's going on. This is why everything's falling apart. Because we aren't being salt and light. Because we don't know the truth. Because we've allowed all kinds of false teachers to influence us. like. Bill Gothard, and many others like him. We don't actually know what scripture says. We think we know all these Christianese things that aren't even in the Bible. We elevate our own beliefs about so many things way higher than even the gospel, or at least in line with the gospel. The gospel is the most important thing, and yet we can't even agree on what it means or what it says. Half of the churches are out there saying things like, oh, you need to make Jesus Lord of your life in order to be saved or have to get baptized in order to be saved or pray this prayer, ask Jesus in your heart. Like nobody has a clear gospel. And yet we're elevating things like gender roles and whether women can or can or can't preach as high as the gospel, if not higher than the gospel. We're elevating purity culture. We're elevating all these extra things. It's no wonder everybody's done. And yet people are trying to deconstruct and, ask questions and wonder about this stuff, they get told that they're walking away from the truth. And yet so many times I wonder, like, are they walking into the truth? Like, are we walking into Jesus who is the truth? I feel so passionately about this stuff. So passionately. Because in our zeal, the American Evangelical Church has missed Jesus. And I have to wonder, like, if he was here today, would we even recognize him? would we be okay with him? It makes me laugh because I'm like, we think we know who Jesus is, but I'm pretty sure that the real Jesus would be hanging out with the guys from Queer Eye and the church people would be calling him gay. It breaks my heart, guys. There are so many people that we have just discarded in the American evangelical church's desire to be against the LGBTQ community. They have discarded humans, people made in God's image, and often they have blocked them from Jesus because they're so broken and hurt by church people that they want nothing to do with, with Jesus. That's not okay. And the whole political thing, like, I don't know why we can't just have our own beliefs and keep them to ourselves. Like, why do we have to be so violently vocal About politics. And so unloving and ungracious. So willing to listen to conspiracy theories. So willing to just be us versus them. And we are discarding people. Precious people made in the image of God because they don't agree with us. That is not okay. I told you guys that I would talk to you about this belief system that I've discovered that I think was a huge part of my cult, whether or not he ever mentioned it. And that I see, unfortunately, all over the place in American evangelical Christianity, especially the more conservative forms of it. And this is called the Seven Mountain Mandate. And it is not biblical at all. And yet the people who preach this idea truly believe that it is. Their basis for whether or not it's biblical Sounds a whole lot like Bill Gothard's ideas for why his ideas were biblical, which is like, let's just take a piece of this verse and a section of that verse, and we'll grab this one out of context, and we'll twist this one around a little bit, and oh, look, now it's biblical. Sorry, guys, that is not how we read the Bible. If you're going to find truth, I mean, you can literally make the Bible say anything you want to if that's how you're going to do it, and that is not how it works. That's not how we actually get to read scripture. That's not who God is. But the Seven Mountain Mandate is this idea that if we can take over these seven realms or spheres of our humanity, then the return of Christ will happen. That's what the actual legit like idea is. And this was from the New Apostolic Reformation movement. It started in the 1970s. Ironic because Bill Gothard also started his stuff in the 1970s, which makes me wonder if maybe he heard this and thought, "Oh, it's a good idea. We should pull this in." the The mountains are the mountain of education, religion. Family, business, government and military, the arts and the entertainment, and media. And these people truly believe that if Christians can take over those spheres of life, then the return of Christ will happen. I literally hate this. Like, I hate this so much. And I look back on my cult days and I say, Yep, that's exactly what we're trying to do. They had character first programs within the schools all over the place, trying to teach character to Children in the schools. And that was the way of getting in and being a part of everything. We wore our navy in white and off we went to the schools to teach character in the public schools. There are political figures who are connected with Bill Gothard and his institute, such as Mike Huckabee and Sarah Palin, who were connected through the Character First program or Character Cities. They had Character Cities that they had influenced. But this is the same idea. Like we were trying to take over the world, we were trying to influence education family huge guys why is the evangelical american church so obsessed with this idol of family of marriage and family protect the family at all costs i think it's because of this this underlying idea that if we can get the family back on track i don't know but you look at business and the government like like i said people just trying to influence the government and get involved the arts and entertainment um hello christian industry anybody we have massive, massive Christian media industry right now, books and movies and music, but it's not all great. And so much of it is about money rather than actual good theology. And so we have people platformed that should never be platformed. We have false teachers being platformed by the Christian book industry and the Christian music industry. And ah, it's so terrible. And yet here we are because we're influencing this mountain, I guess, and we're making a lot of money while we do it. But I got to wonder, like, is this part of the reason, is this culture that we've created part of the reason why our American evangelical Christianity is such a mess right now? I have to wonder. Guys, I really think that there needs to be a lot more research into this. And the farther I got, just the more discouraged I was. But I was reminded of a conversation that I had with someone recently who has deconstructed to the point where they no longer call themselves a Christian. And they're very frustrated with the system of church and of American evangelical Christianity. And we got talking and she doesn't understand why I still believe in Jesus, why I still believe in the cores of the faith. And she's like, but the system, the system is broken. It's, you know, how, has it ever worked? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's never worked. If you look at the whole history, systems have never worked. It's not about systems. They're always gonna be broken because people are broken. And she looked at me and she goes, so you think it's personal then? I said, yes, I think it's personal. I think that individual people meet a very real God and they are changed. And that's where it happens. It's not in the broken system. It's not in the man-made trying to get to Babel. It's like the Tower of Babel all over again, guys. People trying to reach God on their own, do all the things, make this thing to get to God. We're going to talk about that in another another episode. What are we really looking for? What are we really trying to do? But it's not about a system, guys. It's about individual people meeting Jesus. And I think that's why I have hope right now. Because even though we look around and there is so much mess within our systems, in the church, within the media, the Christian media, within the Christianese culture, it's a mess. And yet individual people are waking up and they're questioning and they're doubting and they're looking for truth and they're searching and they might be broken and messy. And the, the church people might say that they're bad, but guys, we are the ones who are going to find Jesus because we're the messy ones, we're the broken ones, and we're the ones that are searching. So don't stop searching. Don't jump from one ship to the next. I think that's the thing I'm so con- just so concerned about is so much of like progressive Christianity is the exact same thing, just a different side of the coin. It's still tied into politics so often, just on the other side. It's still black and white. It's still us versus them. It's still about certain behaviors. Guys, there is another way. Get rid of the coin and just be willing to just struggle to find the real Jesus in the messy middle way without anything solid where you're just saying, okay, I'm going to try. I want you to show me who you are. And I want to know the truth, even if the truth doesn't make sense, and even if the truth doesn't fit into a nice, neat box. I want to know Jesus. That's where I am. I want to know him more. And as much as I've met him, I can't leave him. I will never leave him. And I will do anything he wants me to do, like anything, because he's amazing. And he's nothing like we expect, and he's crazy, and he's everything I could ever want. And I want you to find him too, the real Jesus, wild, untamed, out of the box, not religious Jesus, real Jesus. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com for more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.